0: All right, please stand for the reading of our scripture verses today in Hosea chapter eleven, verses one through four. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burnt, burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Mike. I just realized this
1: table is almost falling off, so I am going to readjust it. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It's it's wonderful to see you this morning. uh, As we've said a couple times already, is Mother's Day. And I was thinking today about what would be the most honoring way to proceed this morning with our message. something that was honoring but also encouraging and maybe even taught us a little something about God from the scriptures. And I realized that one of the most, uh, one of the best things I could do this morning is talk about the ways in which God mothers us. Talk about the ways in which God mothers us. Now, that might sound like a bit of a strange thing to say, that God is mothering you, or that He is mothering us, or that He acts towards us as a mother would act. But there is no shortage of this idea in the Scriptures. There, it is actually kind of all over the Bible. Though we know that Jesus was a man, and God is appropriately referred to often as Father in the Scriptures, we also know that God is infinite, right? That God is transcendent. And that everything good in our world is only a pale reflection of God's own goodness. Meaning that there is no aspect of human character, personality, or beauty that is not in some way made perfect in God or doesn't in some way stream from God. And so though God is often referred to in the scriptures with masculine imagery It's not like he is up in heaven wearing only flannels from Duluth Trading Company and throwing axes, right? This isn't who God is. Despite what the Simpsons might tell you, God is not a a bearded man in a robe who is like a beard oil aficionado, right? This is not what God is like. Uh, I'm sorry for those of you who love beard oil or, or are big fans of the Simpsons imagery of God. You see, the full range of human personality is made perfect in the image of God. I'm gonna say that one more time. The full range of human personality is made perfect in the image of God. In fact, when we see the creation of both male and female in the scriptures, we see that both carry the Imago Dei, the image of God. Both reflect God's goodness. Both are called to bring their fullest selves to bear in the world as God-ordained stewards and representatives of him. And so we can be sure that when we say that God is mothering us, it is not an inappropriate feminizing of God. It is not. It is an accurate description of the ways that God both creates and personifies the best of what it means to be a woman or a mother in this world. Fascinating, right? And I also think that this way of speaking about God can be profoundly healing for many of us. I think probably for most of us. In the same way that we need a kind of revelation or a renewing of our vision of what a father is and should be by looking to our heavenly father, God is also the one to whom we look to to perfect our image of mother, I would argue, as well. You see, uh, it is no secret that uh, masculinity, while good, in the, uh, while good in the eyes of God and created by God, has been a force for abuse in this world. Masculinity has been. Patriarchy, overly aggressive violent or sexualized versions of masculinity have hurt many people i'm sure it's hurt some of you in this room many individuals carry wounds in our lives from abusive men especially women 90 percent of the victims of sexual violence in our world are women that's just true and make no mistake If we have experienced some of the ways that men or masculinity can be harmful, God wants to redeem and restore our vision of the masculine. He does. But I think part of the way he wants to do that is by helping us see some of the ways in which God wants to fully live into what is good about the feminine as well. And because of this, I think the scriptures are replete with God using feminine imagery to talk about Himself, particularly the way in which He relates to His children. And so this morning, I want to walk through a couple of those passages of Scripture with you and talk about two specific aspects of God's character where you could say, if you wanted to, that God is mothering us. So this morning, uh, I want to talk about two aspects. First, the way that God comforts us, two ways that God is mothering us first the way in which he comforts us, and second, the way in which God will never, ever forget us. That's what I want to talk about today. So the first image I want to explore today is found in the passage of Hosea that you heard read. The ways in which God as, uh, is mothering us by comforting us. In this passage, the prophet Hosea is speaking about the ways in which God loves Israel. That's what's happening in this passage. But what you need to know is that Israel in this passage is spoken of like a wayward child, a child who has gone away from its parent. And yet God loves Israel with what is described here as a kind of motherly love. So if you have the scripture in front of you on your bulletin or if you want to open up to Hosea chapter 11 beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read it one more time just so that we kind of understand where we're headed this morning. Beginning in verse 1, we read, When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love, to them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. You see, these this imagery, particularly when it's read in Hebrew, not that we not that we can do that this morning, is full of feminine imagery, but it's also heartbreaking, isn't it? In this passage, we see God as a, as the mother of Israel. Right, first God's love calls out to Israel, and we see this heartbreaking image of God remembering Israel like when we take a little child by the hand and teach them to walk. It's heartbreaking because God is remembering the fact that Israel has walked away from him, and yet remembering back to these early days when God, like a mother, was helping to teach her child to walk. You see here, God represents his tender care and his concern for his people. It's this deep and powerful image of both affection and also of God's heartbreak. But then it goes even further than that, doesn't it? The This uh, God in, the, in Hosea remembers not only when uh, he taught Israel to walk, but also when he fed Israel. The language here in the Hebrew uh, is a little hard to understand, but it is speaking of actual nursing a child, to, to take them to the cheek and, and to feed them. This, this language of actually caring and consoling a child by nursing them is the language that's being used here. God remembers not only when he taught, taught Israel to walk, but also when he actually fed Israel, when he cared for Israel with his very self. And yet God is heartbroken over the fact that Israel has walked away from that relationship. Though God has done all of these tender and consoling and caring things, Israel continues to go their own way. They are a wayward child. They are estranged from their mother, effectively, in this passage, God is saying. And this is heartbreaking to God. And I just want to stop right here and say... I know that it can be excruciatingly painful when our relationships with our kids are broken or strained. It can be excruciatingly painful. But I want you to see two things here. First, God knows that feeling. God knows the feeling of a strained relationship with a child, doesn't he? He's well aware of it. He has been there and so if you, specifically mothers this morning, have, or have that strained relationship with a child or with your children, maybe because of something you did or maybe because of some, some things that were out of your control, God knows that feeling. He understands it and you're not alone in it. And second, God loves your child. God loves your child just as much as you do probably more, with the same affection and tender love that you love your children, God loves them as well. And so you can know that when you pray, God is right there with you. And that's a powerful comfort, isn't it? I'm reminded of Monica, not the character from the 90s sitcom Friends, okay? We're not not making a Friends reference. I'm talking about Monica Well, she's often referred, I don't know her last name, but she's often referred to as Saint Monica. She was uh, Augustine's, the great uh, church father of the third and fourth century. She was his mom. Now, if you know the story of Augustine or you've read City of God or Augustine's Confessions or something like that, you might be aware of this. But Augustine was the greatest pastor and probably the greatest thinker outside of the apostles in the history of the church. Nobody has been more influential. And you might say, well, what about Martin Luther or John Calvin? Well, they wouldn't be where they were if it wasn't for Augustine, all right? They basically read his stuff and went, I'm going to write about this. So Augustine had a fierce mother, a woman named Monica. Uh, She was a devout follower of Jesus, so devout, in fact, that she was a little overbearing. Right? Anybody ever have a little, slightly overbearing mother? Or any mothers in the room feel like, every once in a while like you're like, quickly approaching the overbearing line and then you realize, oh, i got to back this off just a little bit, right? This is Monica. Monica was in Augustine's business constantly. Uh, and, and, he, and he loved her deeply. But it was Monica's prayers, it was Monica's prayers and her love and her encouragement that Augustine uh, basically gives credit to in, in Confessions for his conversion or for him believing in the Lord. You see, in the same way that uh, Monica loved Augustine, we can love our children because motherly affection and love is a powerful thing, isn't it, Mops? It's a pretty powerful thing. And it created the most important Christian outside of the apostles who ever lived. You see, this type of love is something that I believe the Lord honors. He honors it because he is like this about us. And when we pray for our kids, we can know that God is right there, praying along with us, with the same affection, with the same urgency, possibly with the same impulse to be a little overbearing at times. (laughs) This is who God is. But this passage specifically talks about God's comfort, And I think many of us in this room and many of us in our time need to see God as one who comforts us, don't we? You see, God comforts his children like a mother would comfort her child. The images we have in Hosea's passage are of comfort, and we get these images over and over and over again in the scriptures. In Psalm 131, we get a similar image to what Hosea is talking about, when the psalmist says this, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Focus in here on verse 2. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a wean child with its mother. Like a wean child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Like a weaned child with its mother, I am content. You see, God longs for you to be in a place of contentment with him. And the question then this morning is, do we allow ourselves to be comforted, consoled, and contented by God's loving presence? You see, the question is not whether or not God wants you to be in that place with him. The question is whether we allow ourselves to be in that place. Have any of you ever not felt very content? You can raise your hand, comforted, very calm. You would not describe your average daily life as, verse 2, calmed and quieted like a wean child with its mother, right? I don't know about you, but this is not an emotion I have very often. It's not a feeling that's particularly close to my heart. And yet the psalmist says this is the posture of a disciple of God, of a child of God, that we, that we have available to us a kind of comfort and love that, that can sink deep into our heart and, and rest us in a place of contentment and in, of comfort. And so this morning, I'm well aware that some, for many of us, contentment and comfort do not come easy. And it's not just a switch we can flip right? We can say, oh, God wants me to be contented and comfortable Uh, uh, with Him. I'm just going to be like that from now on, all the time. We all know that that's not how life works. Rather, there is an invitation, I think, in the heart of God to be able to learn to rest in this place over time, all right? This is a process we walk out. It is a grace-aided journey that we walk out of contentment and comfortability in the arms of God. It is not something that we can just snap our fingers and hop into. God's grace will occasionally show up in our lives in profound ways and give us comfort, but but we can learn through uh, the rhythms of our lives and, and learn to kind of sink deep into the rhythms of God's grace and comfort. And we can begin to live out of this place of deep abiding with Jesus rather than out of a place of striving and anxiety and pain. All right? God, like a mother, wants to bring you comfort. Amen? Amen. Now, the second thing I want to talk about this morning, the second, char- the second character trait of God that is motherly in its orientation, is that God will not forget us. We read this in Isaiah 49 15 through 18. Can a mother forget the baby of her breast? And have no compassion on the child she has born. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. Your walls are ever before me. Your children hasten back. And those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All you children gather and come to you. All your children gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord. You will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. You see, in the same way that a mother cannot forget her children, God cannot forget you. And that's good news. In a world that often makes us, makes us feel isolated and alone, God sees you and remembers you and will not forget you. If the bank of You see, I love this passage of scripture. It's one, you know, all of Isaiah is really like this. If you haven't spent a significant amount of time in, in Isaiah the prophet, I would encourage you to. The whole book is just full of beautiful passages like this. But not only this picture do we see of God in this passage, not only is God like a mother who's actually weaned a child and thus won't forget that child, but has actually engraved your name or Israel's name in this section, but your name on the palm of his hand. It's this beautiful picture of the ways in which God will not forget you or me. He cannot forget you. In the same way that a mother can't forget that she has, she's had a child. God loves you. That's why he can't forget you. He loves you with this kind of motherly love that he can't look, cannot look away from or deny. And when we come to God, this is how God sees us. Right? God does not see us with eyes of condemnation, anger. God does not see us with eyes of expectation or shame. God sees us as his dearly loved, children this is how God sees us sometimes I feel as though as a pastor I just need to get up and I just need to say that for 40 minutes every week like that would be good for your hearts like God sees you as his dearly loved child whether your parents didn't it doesn't matter Whether you felt love from your mother, whether you felt love from your father, whether you have uh, deep-seated insecurities, whether you look at yourself with eyes of condemnation, whether something has happened to you in your life that is like embedded shame deep in your heart in such a way as that it makes you look at yourself in ways that are distorted, God sees you as his dearly loved child. And there is nothing, nothing you can do to change that. Not one single thing. But can I let you in on a secret? As I rub my slightly sunburned forehead? That takes bravery. It takes bravery to see yourself that way. Brennan Manning, who was a defrocked priest and an alcoholic, and also a profound spiritual writer, puts it this way. He says, do you believe the God of Jesus loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness. Beyond fidelity and infidelity. That he loves you when your intellect denies it. Your emotions refuse it. Your whole being rejects it. Do you believe that God loves without condition or reservation and loves you this moment as you are and not as you should be. It takes an incredible amount of bravery to believe that, doesn't it? In our broken moments, it is so hard to come to that place. But I just want to say to you, like the like in the parable of the prodigal son, sometimes it is our brokenness. Sometimes in our brokenness is the exact place Where we can discover that reality afresh and anew. I don't think we we can I don't think we can know the grace of God in the way that God wants us to know it. Until we've come to a point at which we are truly dependent on it. And it's always the writers like Manning, it's always the alcoholics and the defrocked pastors and the one who've made all the mistakes that seem to be able to access the beauty of this truth better than other people and I don't know why that is I wish it wasn't that way I wish I didn't have to be like kind of ground down into a place where I realize my need for God's grace before I can actually come to need for it to realize my need for it I wish we could all just live in mansions and drive Teslas and you know like be like ah it's all grace right that's not the way it works I don't think it's the, that's the way it works because God like wants to hurt us. I think it's the way that works because that's just how stubborn we are, all right? And in this place this morning, as we prepare to come to the table of communion, I just want to say to you on this Mother's Day that you're loved, that you're loved. Whether you knew that love intimately from a parent, like a mother, or whether you didn't, you're loved. And God's grace and his arms are open to you. And if you don't know that, and you have a hard time receiving that, today is a great morning to just take one more step and allow God to mother you a little bit today. Amen? Amen. Now, as we come to the table of communion this morning, uh, we ran out of the cups of com- for communion juice. So we have the, uh, up at the tables this morning, we have the prepackaged uh, communion cups. So when you come up this morning, I would encourage you just take a communion cup with you. Don't try to open the top. Uh, go sit down. And what we're going to do this morning, because we're all going to be opening them and stuff like that, is I'm going to encourage you, come grab one, go sit down, open it, but don't consume uh, don't receive, uh, we'll hold the elements and we'll receive them together this morning because of the the way that, uh, the, way that the cups are, all right? I ordered 5,000 cups the, uh, after Carol told me they were gone, so we shouldn't run out for at least 15 years, all right? All right. So Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, while he and the disciples were eating in the upper room. Matthew records that experience and says this in Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when they had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. At Grace Community, we practice an open communion, which simply means that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are welcome at the table with us. Uh, Would you stand with me? We'll come to the table together. You'll uh, grab uh, the elements, you'll return to your seat, and we'll come up and pray together and receive. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray before we receive the bread together. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the gift of your broken body on the cross for us. We remember that it was your body laid down that is the symbol of your love for us. And so this morning as we receive the bread together, we do not receive it as uh, people who take it lightly. Rather, we receive it as a gift from you and as an emblem of your grace. Let's receive the bread together. And in the same way, Father, we receive the cup together as the physical sign of your blood shed on the cross for us. We remember that it was your blood that covers our sins. And that without you, God, we are dead, both literally and metaphorically in our sins. And so this morning, we come to you thankful, and we come to you open to what it is you have for us. Let's receive the cup together. Amen, and amen, and amen. Stand with me, and we're going to sing this chorus through one more time as we praise the lord and then we will i'll come up and dismiss you let's sing together
2: i cast my mind to calvary where jesus bled and died for me i see his wounds his hands his Savior on that cursed tree, his body bound and drenched in tears.
1: Jesus, we love you. And we're so thankful for your goodness and your grace. Father God, as you send us out this morning, would you send us out as a people in pursuit of your love, in pursuit of your comfort, knowing full well, God, that we're accepted, that we're seen, and that we're your children. No matter how far we've run, no no matter what we've done, the grace of God is open and available to us because he loves us and he never forgets us. Amen. Amen. I preached that message really fast and so it was kind of a short service. I apologize for those of you who like me to preach long. Would you go today in the grace and in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Have a great Mother's Day.